This podcast is published by MDA National to support doctors in training with first-hand experiences from peers on the things they wish they'd known about their specialty area. Hello, it's Norman Swan here. Welcome to another podcast where MDA National doctor members and expert staff share medical legal pearls of wisdom, practical tips and interesting case studies. Today I'm speaking with Dr. Gary Kouanis, a fellow of the Australasian College of Sport and Exercise Physicians. He works in private practice with a number of sporting teams. And I started off by asking Gary how he got involved in the field. Well, uh, sport and exercise medicine is like most of the other specialty training programs. There's a fairly competitive set of entrance exams and specialist training and then exit exams on the other side of it. I'm that old that when I commenced my training, we weren't an officially recognised specialty college. So I thought it would be prudent to do my general practice fellowship first. But as soon as I completed that, I, I moved into the sports physicians training, which I then completed and set up practice on my own. And, what, and, and were you sort of some jock or other? I mean, what, why did you do it? My passion has always been sport um, for my entire life. And halfway through my medical degree, I started asking all those questions that I probably should have asked a lot earlier as to why was I doing it and why am I here and what, what do I really enjoy in life and what am I passionate about? Um, and the answer always sort of turned to sport. And, you know, there's not a lot of sport and exercise physician involvement in undergraduate teaching or medical school teaching, which is something we're actually actively trying to change now. But at that stage, I just knew that I, I was doing medicine. I, I was very interested in what I was studying, but hadn't really arrived upon that as, as something that was my life's passion and looked actively outside of what I was seeing in the hospitals for something that combined my interests. And, and that's when I came into sports medicine. So I said, Matt, I'm just fascinated. What do you learn when you're training in sports and exercise medicine, I mean, it sounds as if it's a mixture of physio, exercise physiology, orthopedics, rheumatology. I mean, what is it you learn? Yeah, look, it's, it should be a, a simpler answer, really, in that every field of medicine pretty much has a a surgical and a medical component. We've got cardiothoracic surgeons and cardiologists. In medicine, just traditionally the way things have evolved, we've always had an orthopedic, a musculoskeletal, surgical component and a big gap in delivering non-surgical musculoskeletal medicine. So we've, we've got physios that are very, very good ha at delivering hands-on treatment and prescribing exercise. Um, as far as a medical specialty goes, it, it just didn't evolve with the rest of them. So a huge component of what we do is dealing with the non-surgical musculoskeletal presentation. So that's not all of it, but a lot of what I do is dealing with things like stress fractures, tendinopathies, apophysitis, so growth plate injuries in children, the vast, vast majority of joint sprains and instability. So all of these are conditions that are musculoskeletal but don't require surgical involvement. And, and further to that, even the, the more degenerative conditions, so the osteoarthritis, and those sorts of problems, lower back pain that's faced by, you know, a huge number of people. But we're also involved in a few other areas that people don't necessarily associate us with. And one is exercise prescription, which is a... a yes, I was going to ask you about that. It's an area that's growing both in our understanding of its 
benefit. Well, we've always known the role of exercise in disease prevention, but really strong evidence is coming to light about the role of exercise in actual active treatment of chronic disease. Um, and there's a whole industry that can deliver exercise and exercise prescription. We don't need medical specialists to do that. But in chronic disease where there is multiple pathologies and, and risks and polypharmacy that can all be affected by the prescription of exercise, that's another area where our, our skill is delivered. And probably the third area is as a physicians to an exercising population. So I occasionally see, and it's nowhere near as, as big a part of my practice as the musculoskeletal medicine is, um, but things like the, the diabetic that decides they want to run a marathon or you know fatigue in an endurance athlete and looking at the medical interaction and pathology as it relates to an exercising individual. Is there much of an evidence base for this practice? Oh, absolutely. All of, well, all of medicine should be evidence-based. <laughs> so, okay, well, let's go to reality. Gary. Yeah. I, well, <laughs> that's, well, look, it's a really good question because our, there is a bit of overlap. We're involved with coaches and personal trainers and the health and exercise industry, which um, is a highly commercialized industry. It's an industry where the horse gets before the cart often when it comes to commercial interests before... Uh, evidence-based proof and we certainly see ourselves as as the physicians as the scientists in the field as the sort of gatekeepers of making sure we're trying to get an evidence-based message and and delivery of what we do absolutely i mean if you're you which sports teams are you the physician to at the moment, personally, I look after the um, West Coast Fever netball team. Um, I've got a young family, and it's it's a very, very good team to be associated with that balances working with them. This is the knee surgeon's dream. <laughs> uh, no, well, for, fortunately, we uh, we haven't given much business to the knee surgeons lately, and that's that's evidence of a, of a good strength and conditioning physiotherapist and sports physician. We're trying to put them out of, uh, out of business where we can. Well, indeed, some people say that that you could actually prevent a lot of knee osteoarthritis, knee replacements with good neuromuscular training in sports like soccer and netball to prevent the injury. Oh, absolutely. And you, and you talk about evidence, Norman. The, the evidence is overwhelming of the role of exercise programs and conditioning um, in preventing those sorts of injuries. And they're not, they're not entirely preventable. Um, but the other way we're putting our orthopaedic colleagues who we work very closely with out of business is helping to choose when, so not just preventing injury, but helping to choose when surgery is appropriate and when conservative management might be more appropriate. So a lot of the arthroscopies that we might have sent for in the past, um, evidence is now telling us that many meniscal injuries for knees, for example, can probably be managed more conservatively than we have previously. I mean, it sounds like a lot of fun. I mean, you range from elite sports people through to people with chronic disease like heart failure and diabetes um, so you'll never get bored doing this. Uh, that's one thing that I do love about it is I get to see a wide variation in patient age, demographic, activity, participation. I also I, I love the fact that most, well, not everyone, but most people that come to see me, whether they are elite or amateur or just somebody trying to tick off a bucket list of running a half marathon in their 70s or I get to talk to interesting people with interesting goals 
and help facilitate those goals. And that's very rewarding. Is there a downside? Oh, everything has a downside. <laughs> is it a recognised specialty for specialist fees? Uh, it is. Our um, Medicare schedule benefits are not in line with other physicians as they stand at the moment. And that has to do a bit with us being late to the party in terms of being recognised as a specialty at a time where the health budget is you know, under a lot of pressures. But we feel that two areas where we can serve and improve the effective delivery of the health budget, one is in exercise prescription to treat chronic disease has the potential of saving in our expenditure on medication, surgery and hospital stays a phenomenal amount simply through you know a few cheap consultations with a sports physician um, and also our ability to effectively avoid unnecessary surgery which also places a great strain on the health budget. So our college is working pretty hard to hope and, and deliver that message so that the powers that be can see that investment in, in our services can actually be um, a very effective way of making the budget a lot more efficient. I interrupted you when you were about to tell me the downsides. I was trying to think of the downsides. Every job has, can have downsides. I mean, everything that places demands on your time and, and resources depends on how you structure your involvement with elite sport um, a little bit. You know, it can be very glamorous to get into this as a junior doctor and be asked to travel with teams interstate and international every second week and players are calling you at two o'clock in the morning for a relatively trivial medical issue. Um, that can place a lot of strain on a you know, young family and home life. But you do have the freedom to pick and choose what jobs you take and, and what role you play and the challenge is to set the barriers. The other thing is that, I mean, the, the the role that we talk about a lot is our delivery of services to elite sport and teams, but the bread and butter for most of us is our, is our clinics. And private clinic practice can, if you let it be, be quite isolating. I mean, if you work in a hospital, um, you've got a team, you've got interactions, you've got common staff areas and places to debrief. Whereas, you know, like other specialties that involve private consultation in a room, you can spend all day in and out of the same office on your own. And that can be isolating if you let it be. So you've just got to make an effort to um, get into a network with other people that you can talk about things this is getting philosophical and generalised life advice. I mean, my view on things is that regular review and see what's working and what's not working and what you do enjoy and what you don't enjoy rather than get 10 years down the track and realise that you've ended up further along a path that you didn't intend to be on. And, and what would you recommend to people who are listening to us who, uh, who might be attracted to this as a specialty? What's any advice? My first bit of advice would to be to get onto the college of the Australasian College of Sport and Exercise Physicians website, and um, there are a lot of good resources there. But the most useful is our training manual. So the training manual details all that is required in our training program as a registrar, um, but also all that's required to get onto the training program, which is getting very very competitive these days. But if you understand what's required of you and can start working towards that, get in touch with sport and exercise physicians in your area. Most physicians that I know are very happy to have people sit in um, and get a bit of a taste for the field before, before jumping in. Gary, thanks for joining us. 
No worries at all, Norman. Here to support you. Visit MDA National's website at mdanational.com.au or call 1-800-011-255 for tailored advice specific to your situation, career stage or policy. The information provided is based on the personal experiences of the doctor speaker and does not constitute medico-legal advice from or by MDA National.